thank you guys. I'm so excited to be here. I mean, that was a great introduction. Here's Tyler. He doesn't have hair. So, you know, let's just get started. Let's get into it. Um, no, I'm very thankful to, to be able to be here and be a part of this church and, and have the opportunity to share the gospel, talk about Jesus. I mean, this is, this is what we do it for. This is why we meet, um, is so that we can be, be trained uh, to go out and tell people about this Jesus, um, this, this man who saved us all from our sin and, and you know, has given us purpose. So, uh, I woke up this morning, right, and, and I got this certain kind of uh, good feeling in my bones, right? And I woke up, I looked at the temperature, it's, you know, high 60s, low 70s. I mean, we're looking real good, like football is almost here, right? Like we are, we are looking real good. I've been doing, you know, mock drafts, preparing for a fantasy football, you know, paying attention to the Panthers and the Georgia Bulldogs, and, you know, we're looking real good. I'm about to make another run. You know, Panthers, maybe we'll see, but the Georgia Bulldogs, I'm, I'm going to focus on them as long as they're winning. That's right. So, but what fall also means is that uh, small groups are about to start back up. You know, in September, we're going to start meeting again. We're going to start uh, having this godly community that we love so much. And, and uh, not to be biased or anything, but Monday night small groups, pretty, that's a pretty solid group. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I don't know. I've just... I've just heard from around, you know, I wouldn't have any idea, but uh, it's, it's pretty solid, pretty solid group. So uh, I would love for you guys, if you're not involved in a small group, please, please do so because it is uh, just so incredibly important uh, to have a group of people around you that are like-minded, um, that, that believe in Jesus, that can pray for you, that you can share your life with, uh, that you can just do, do life with that you can meet with, you know, once a week, however, however often, and that can just be there for you. Um, it's something that I think Brittany and I, Janet and I, Brittany's first name is Janet, okay, so I call her Janet, I'm going to refer to her as Janet, uh, but I think for us, we've, we've just been so blessed to have this community of a small group around us, and so we're going to be talking about that a little bit this morning, about a certain, a certain small group that uh, that started what we call the church. Um, and speaking of small groups, last semester we were actually going through First uh, Corinthians, a book written by Paul. And as we were going through it, uh, we uh, were reading in First Corinthians chapter one and verse ten. I think Nathan's going to put it put it up here because I think it speaks a lot to what we're going to be talking about today. And I will actually read it uh, from my Bible. Verse 10 says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters. Let's keep that in mind. I'm going to come back to that. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and in thought. Okay, so just a little bit of background. Uh, Paul is writing this letter to the church of Corinth, and he um, uses... This Greek word for brothers and sisters, the Greek word is actually Adelphi, right? And so he says, brothers and sisters. And this word means the, the uh, brothers and sisters under the, the fathership, the fatherhood of, of God. So he's speaking to, pe- speaking to people who are uh, in a relationship with God, with Jesus. Um, because 
It is the most intimate relationship that we will have. So we have families, we have fathers, brothers, and sisters, uh, blood relatives, but whenever we enter into a relationship with Jesus, we step into this family, this common unity under the fathership, the fatherhood of God, our Father, with one another. And so if you believe in Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus and you're here this morning, hello, you are my brother, you are my sister, and I love you very much. And so he's speaking to, to people who believe in Jesus. And he's speaking to them because they uh, have been bickering and gossiping back and forth, as families do. If you have a brother or a sister, most likely you've been scratched, clawed, you know, gotten a couple of fights. My brothers actually threw me off of a porch whenever I was younger. Um, they're massive human beings. I mean, we don't have the, the same earthly father, and so they're like six five, you know, and all that I got from them was their hairline, so... Um, <clears throat> so nothing is closer than this relationship that we see based on this Greek word Adelphi. And again, this is what we have with each other. And while we were reading this in our small group, we, I, I like to say we came up with, but I think that, I think that I'm the one that kind of termed it, you know, unity and community is what we came up with as a small group. And ever since we came up with that in 1 Corinthians, I've been waiting for Grayson to make me a shirt that says unity and community. It's so important. We're talking about it on a Sunday morning. And Grayson's not here this morning, but I know that he's going to listen to this. And so Grayson, I, I want my shirt. Like, I'm still looking for my shirt. So I think, I think maybe we need to make some things happen here. Um. But this unity that we have with each other as a family in Christ is so important. And I believe that as we step into the, the main text today in Acts 1, uh, we're going to see a really good picture of what this unity and community is supposed to look like. And so let's begin reading. If you want to turn to Acts 1, we're going to begin reading in verse 12. We're going to go all the way to verse 20. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying, and those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, keep note of that. The scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it. 
and may another take his place of leadership. Okay, so where, where are we in this text? Jesus has just ascended into heaven and given instructions to the disciples and which he says to go back to Jerusalem, or he says stay in Jerusalem, uh, and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. That's important. To wait. He commands us to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And so from what we see, this is about a 10-day period where they go back to, to Jerusalem. They go into this upper room, and they're waiting, and they're constantly in prayer. So what do the disciples do? They follow his command. They go back. They go back to Jerusalem, and they wait. So we're off to a good start here. Everything's looking good. You know, first quarter, following the game plan. We see a great obedience here in the disciples. They're following the command of Jesus. This is important because all throughout the Gospels, we see the disciples kind of going back and forth. They're bickering with each other. They're trying to figure out uh, how things are going to work. Um, just like the church of Corinth that Paul was writing to. They're bickering and gossiping and who's going to be the leader, who's going to be second in command to Jesus. Um, but now, here, we see that they have this common unity. They're, they're one in mind. They have the same game plan here. And so, right here, they, they start to understand the assignment and the mission that is greater than each one of themselves. And I think Luke goes even a step further to even name all the disciples that are, that are here in this moment to show us even more that they are of one mind. They are all together on this journey. And we can't forget that you know, the, the, this group of disciples had people from many different backgrounds, different ethnicities, um, different pastimes, different uh, jobs that they joined together. Like Peter had still denied Jesus three times before this. Matthew had still been a tax collector. Everyone hated him. And Simon was still a zealot. Um, so we see this group of so many different people, so many different mindsets. They're finally of one, one mind, one desire, and that's Jesus. And then it comes to my favorite part. It says, they were continually united in prayer. Wow. This verse right here, they were continually united in prayer, should show us so much. Uh, it should show us how important it is that prayer be an essential part of our everyday lives. And I'm so thankful for Anne and Isaac, you know, Every Sunday morning, they have a, a prayer meeting in this room in here, and I was able to be a part of it this morning, and uh, it's incredible. It's incredible that we start out our Sundays praying for each one of you, each person that is in the seat. We've prayed for you this morning. We've prayed that God would speak to you and that he would lead you into your next step this morning. And that's how important it was to the disciples, so why would it not be important to us? This is how we should wait, because God called them to wait, right? And they wait in continuous prayer. 
because they know that our God is faithful and he is a loving father who loves all of his children. And so when you pray, you should pray in expectance and knowing that God is going to hear you and he's going to act. And then Peter stands up, right? It's been about nine days. They've been waiting, praying. There's about 120 people around. And Peter stands up. And he, you have to imagine, right, that you could probably cut the awkward silence with a knife. It's almost like getting in the elevator, right? You get on there with someone. You know, you don't really know them. It's awkward. You're like, man, can I please just get to the 72nd floor? This has taken so long. We live in an apartment, and it's literally that way for us every day. Whenever we go. I take the stairs. I, I like to say I take the stairs because I want to be healthy. I take the stairs because it's just so awkward to get on there with someone else. And then someone like Ricky gets on the elevator and is just like, sup, man? I was a drug dealer. You know Jesus? All right, here we are, right? Going to a movie, there to watch the movie, and Ricky's telling you about Jesus. I, that's one way to do it, I'm telling you. So Peter stands up, right? And he says, brothers and sisters, remember, so this, this word, this word that he says for brothers and sisters, it's the same word that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians, Adelphi. This wasn't, what he was about to say wasn't just for anyone. It was for God's family. It was for people who believed in Jesus Christ. And I think today it's even for us because we're God's family. We believe in Christ. We should, we should hear what he's telling us today. So what we have to understand is that as Jesus has just ascended, people are probably recalling the betrayal that had just happened. Everything that has led up to this moment, they're reliving it. Maybe they're even wishing that it didn't happen. And so Peter right here reaffirms that the evil events had to happen in order for the prophecies of Scripture to be fulfilled. This had to happen. Yes, it is a horrendous evil. And we all wish that didn't happen, but it had to to fulfill God's plan. Um, and, and in these moments, because you have to think that Peter was probably thinking about it too, it shows incredible spiritual maturity and just wisdom um, from Peter to, to, to step up and speak about these events. Again, after he had just denied Jesus three times. Like Peter was far from perfect. And he also references scripture. And in fact, this is the first time um, throughout the Gospels and up until this moment that we see Peter reference any type of scripture. He references the Psalms, and, and I think this shows that he was uh, so desperate and so reliant on God that he went back to, the, back to the Word. In a moment when he didn't have the physical Jesus, the teachings of Jesus in person hadn't received the Holy Spirit, he went back to the Word, right? That's what we should do. He's telling us exactly what we should do. He's seeing all the questions, the doubts, the worries, the stress, the anxieties, and he says this, 
This is what you should do when you have questions, doubts, worries. And even in his own book, he goes on to say in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares, your anxieties, your worries on the Lord because he cares for you. Isn't that so incredible to hear this morning? That the Lord, God, he cares for you this morning. He cares about your day. He cares about the decision that you make, small or big, how you're feeling right now. He cares for you. He cares for me. And so Peter in this moment is showing us we should always go back to the word because this right here, this, this right here is the voice of God. This is the breath of God. This is living, breathing, and acting. What we've seen so far is that the gift of God is in the waiting. But this is how we wait. We stay in unity with each other as believers. We pray continually. And we stay in the scripture. If we can do just these three things, I think that our relationship with Jesus would go a step further and that we would see such a tremendous growth spiritually, but also physically in ourselves, but also in the people around us. Because, hey, this gift is overflowing. And it will flow to everyone around you if you would just allow it to. And so the next part is where it gets a little juicy. It's where we start to get a little messy. It's going to be interesting. You know, I, uh, I met with the group of uh, uh, church planners in training, or I don't even know what we call the group, men's group maybe, I don't know, uh, on Thursday, and it's led by Ricky. And uh, I was uh, discussing my outline with, with all the guys, and uh, once I got to this part, uh, <laughs> I looked at, well, Ricky kind of interrupted my outline, which is kind of rude. Uh, and he was like, uh, let's talk about it. You can keep going, but let's talk about it afterwards. And so I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Should I keep going? And so uh, afterwards, we had a long conversation. It was actually very eye-opening. Uh, and I think for everyone that was there, uh, we learned a lot about how um, the Word of God just correlates in every, every part of the Bible. And so we can read something here in Acts, and we can see it in, in a different picture um, in a different part of the book of Bible. In Old Testament, New Testament, you can go back, you can go forward, you're still going to see the gospel, and you're still, still going to see um, a picture of Jesus. So let's read. Let's, let's, just, let's just go for it. Starting in verse 21. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph, called Bersabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two men you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. Still a little salty. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, 
So he was added to the 11 apostles. All right. So again, it's been almost 10 days. The Holy Spirit is about to come, and Peter and the disciples decide, you know what? There were 12 of us. Now there's 11. Can't have it. Gotta do something about it. So, Peter uses scripture. He references Psalm uh, 109, verse 8, to be exact, to support this idea that they should choose who would take the place of Judas. Psalm 109, verse 8, was written by David um, as a prayer when he found out that someone in his camp had betrayed him. And so he prayed that God would choose someone else to take this man's place. That God would, would choose someone to take this man's place. And if they were going to choose someone to take this place, it had to be someone that had been with them the whole, the whole time. To see the teachings, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus as an eyewitness to the testimony of Christ. And so they nominate two people. Joseph, called Brasabas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Does anyone, can anyone guess what Justice means? Just take a guess. Just anyone. What does it mean? No one's going to guess? No, I'm, I'm being for real. Like, guess. Just? It means just and upright. It literally means justice. Okay, justice means justice. And so you're telling me, right, they pick these two people, one of them, dude named Matthias. Cool, nothing wrong with Matthias. No big deal. And justice, justice? You're telling me that wouldn't look good for the, for the testimony of Jesus? You're telling me someone's gonna come to me and tell me about Jesus and say that his name is justice and I'm not gonna believe him? If you're telling me that you're going to choose Matthias, you're lying. All right, this is just, this is crazy here. But let's see. So they choose the nominations, and, and, and what's the first thing that they do here? They pray, right? Even this, in this decision, they are still in continual um, prayer. And so we can see here that whenever they do uh, try to make this decision, they are still uh, fully reliant on God. Whether you believe that what they're doing here is right or wrong, we can all agree that whenever we do want to make a decision, we should be relying on God and praying continuously. And once again, this shows us just how important prayer is in our daily lives. And every decision that we make, every move we make, every step we take. Y'all know that song? You should pray. That's the second part, I think. You should pray. The disciples had been with Jesus for so long and saw just how important prayer was to Jesus. They saw how consistently, how constantly he was in prayer. And it was more than, it was a more than necessary function. And if it was more than necessary for the Son of God, 
man, we should be praying every chance we get. We should pray every opportunity that we have um, that God that God would be with us. And then they do something really weird. They cast lots to determine who would join the group as a disciple. And this style of uh, lottery draft kind of roll the dice method was mainly used in the Old Testament when people wanted God to make a decision for them. And oftentimes they didn't have um, an intercessory uh, to God to, to help them make this decision. So in this instance, again, if, if we, we can go back and forth, who, whether they were wrong or that, whether they were right, um, for them to do this, I think it showed a reliance on God to choose rather than relying on their own circumstances, their own feelings, their own emotions, their own political preferences to choose rather than, you know, they wanted God to make this choice rather than themselves. So if that meant leaving it up to casting lots, um, that's a risk that they were willing to take. And the lot falls to Matthias. Now, we don't hear anything else about Matthias after this moment, but, but we also don't hear anything about many of the disciples other than Peter and John and what Ricky would say, Paul, later on. And this is where the speculation comes in because the speculation is that Paul would have been the 12th disciple chosen by God um, and what Paul says in his own, in his own time. Uh, and after having this conversation on Thursday, I, it was pretty convincing. And so I, I would have to agree after doing, you know, some of the research that I, that I did afterward. Um, but either way, you know, uh, it's going to be interesting to see who's going to be on the, the 12th foundation in heaven, whether that would be Matthias or Paul, but we'll just have to wait until we get there, right? So, if you don't agree with me, that's okay. Uh, you can email me your thoughts, your concerns, at rickywilson at scbc.com, and we'll be sure to get to you as soon as possible. Uh, no, but I, I believe for a couple reasons, right? One, Jesus commanded them to go back to Jerusalem and do what? Wait, right? That's it. That's all that we read. Jesus commanded them to go back to Jerusalem, to stay in Jerusalem, and to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. This was the next step. He did not command them from what we see, what we read, to choose the 12th disciple that would take the place of Judas. Right? And we could say that maybe it was left out, but we also see that Luke was very um, detailed in all of his writings. And so, with something like that, I wouldn't, you wouldn't think that he would leave it out. Two, we can look at how the, all the other disciples were chosen by an interaction with Jesus. Jesus came before them and he asked them to follow him. So Matthias is the only disciple that doesn't have an in-person interaction with Jesus that we can see. And this random dude named Paul does? I don't know. But if the speculation is correct, right, if they did make a mistake, if they did make a blunder in choosing Matthias as, as the disciple to replace Judas, then 
we can see that Jesus meeting Paul and choosing him as a disciple, made in his own time, should be amazing news. It should be great news for us. Why? Because this means that we can be a witness without being an eyewitness to the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is, this is so important to everything that we are as a Christian. How? By having faith in Jesus and trusting and proclaiming his testimony through the death and the resurrection and our own, that this Jesus, the Son of God, is living in us and through us. The selection of Paul gives us all the hope that we need to be able to, to tell people about Jesus, to be able to be a witness uh, of the testimony, to give it truth. As the disciples made an error in judgment, this shows us that the blood and nothing but the blood of Jesus makes it right every single day time. This denotes the performance that the law required because we are loved, saved, and restored because of the performance of Jesus, not our own. There's nothing that we could do to match it. Jesus, Jesus performed for us. It's just like Isaac was speaking before, uh, before the sermon today in worship. Our performance is nothing. Jesus is everything. And so as I come to a close, I want you to take one thing from my time up here speaking to you all. God's sovereignty covers our mistakes, our mess-ups, and our shortcomings, because we will always come short. We will always fall short of the glory of God. We are all born with a sin nature that separates us from God. But praise God, because he sent his son to defeat sin on the cross so that we could be in right standing with the Father and have a place in eternity in heaven with God. Right? On our good days, our bad days, when we feel like we aren't the best Christians possible, on the days when we feel like we aren't even worthy to speak the name of Jesus, because I know I, I have those days. I have a I have a a problem with not feeling worthy because of my past, because of different things that I've done. Um, but I praise God because uh, Jesus washes away all of my sin. The blood of Jesus makes me white as snow. And so whenever God sees me, he does not see my sin, my mistakes, my uh, shortcomings. He sees Jesus. Now, as Ricky has alluded to, uh, Brittany, Janet, and I have been married for four months now. Right, we got married in April. And we've had to grow in this unity with each other. 
And if you've been married by Jesus, or not by Jesus, by Ricky, <laughs> if you've been married by Ricky, okay, uh, he, he talks a lot about unity um, and his ceremony. And it always reminds me of the triangle, the triangle method, right? And so God is at the top, I'm at one corner, and then uh, Brittany's at the other corner. And the closer that we grow to, to God, the closer that we grow to each other. And we, when we first got married, and even before while we were dating, I was scared of getting married. I had many conversations with, with Ricky because I had trouble with, with commitment. Uh, but also because I had grown so comfortable where I was and in my singleness um, that I didn't know if I would be able to grow with someone else. I thought it had been too long. Plus, whenever you throw kids into the middle of it, I mean, it doesn't make it easier. And, you know, if you serve in kids with our kids, then God bless you because they, they are demons, you know? And it's just... They need Jesus, and, and thank God that they'll have the opportunity to, to have that relationship with Jesus one day, but it's not today. Uh, but after four months, I can confidently say that uh, I, I do not know what I would do without my wife, right? And it's only been four months, and, uh, and, and when she's not with me, I don't feel like myself because we have already grown so close in unity that we are one. And it's the same thing for us. It's the same thing. As followers of Jesus Christ, whenever we start a relationship with Jesus and we get connected to this, to this church community, we are Adelphi. We are brothers and sisters. We are one, united under the name of Jesus Christ. And the same goes for my marriage and this relationship with Jesus. It hasn't always been easy, and it will never be perfect, but it is always worth it, forever. So here's the deal. The same God that created the earth, the sun, the moon, and the stars, the same God that created you and has loved you since before you were born, he sent his son to die on a cross to defeat sin in the grave and resurrect in victory three days later for you, for me, for all of us, so that you and I could have a relationship with Jesus and a place in heaven after our time on the earth is finished. And I want this for you. And I think right here in this text that we're reading about today, so long ago when the disciples were meeting in this upper room and they were continually in prayer, they were praying for this moment here this morning. These people from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, these men and these women, right? Because let's not forget that. These men and these women were praying that men and women would be here today under the name of Jesus Christ from different backgrounds backgrounds, different ethnicities, different pasts, different stories. And here we are. No two people in this room are alike. We are all different. And we all need Jesus. And if you're thinking that now isn't the best time to begin a relationship with Jesus, 
because your life, it might just be too messy. Too messy right now. There's too much going on. I've made too many mistakes. I'm just not ready. Jesus can't handle me right now. Let me tell you something. When I was 15, my oldest son, well, yeah, my oldest son now was born. When I was 16, still in high school, I moved away to a different state chasing sin. When I was 17, my mom passed away. I was 15 minutes away from the hospital, and I did not get to say bye to her. And I left her whenever she was the sickest that she had ever been before that. When I was 18, I was at the lowest point in my life. All this stuff had already happened, and it had finally shaken up and popped the bottle, and I was just chasing every, every type of circumstance I could to fill the void in my life. I was partying, I was drinking, I was doing drugs, I was chasing sexual relationships. Anything that I could do to fill the void. And then this Jesus, this man, he met me where I was and he saved me. And if he could meet me where I was in that moment, I know for sure that he can meet you where you are right now. Maybe you have it worse off than I did, and that is completely possible, but Jesus is bigger. Jesus is stronger than anything. And he wants a relationship with you. So, don't wait. If you need to begin a relationship with Jesus, you can find anyone in here, really. Just tell them. Share it with them. Share your story with them. And we will be able to help you take whatever next step you have. Maybe it's not a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you already have that. Maybe you just need prayer. We'd love to pray for you. Maybe you need to get baptized. We'd love to do it. There's water in the tank. We can make it happen this morning. Maybe you need to start going, start, you know, going to a small group. We have those available starting in September. Monday nights right here. Come on. We got, I mean, we don't have a huge apartment, but we can make some room. We'll make it happen. Maybe you need to start a discipleship relationship. We have people that are ready to meet with you, to go through the word with you, and to help you to be there for you, to love you. If you're ready, we want to help you. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you, Lord, for your word, for your testimony that we have uh, every faith and, and, and truth in. Thank you for your blood that was shed on a cross for us so that we could be washed white as snow. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for every person that is sitting in a seat this morning that you would um, just stir their hearts um, 
right now and as they leave and go out into the world, that you would just fill them with your joy, with your peace, with your love, that you would fill them so much that it would overpour and overflow into the people that they see throughout their daily lives, that they would be able to encourage everyone that they meet this week, everyone that they have uh, contact with, so much that that person would wonder, what has changed? What is different? And the only answer is Jesus Christ. I pray that you would continue to build in all of us hearts that want to be more like you, that you would continue to use all of us as vessels for your message, for your love, for your grace, for your mercy, which is new every day. I love you so much, Jesus. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening this week. To learn more about ID Clifton, including our gathering times, small groups, and upcoming events, check out our website at idclifton.com. Again, thank you for listening to the ID Clifton podcast. And remember, love God and love others. See you next week.